are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Now, you probably have one of two reactions to that video. You're either one a person who says, wow, that was cool. Or you might be a person who said, wow, that was weird. That is our response when we open up the book of Ezekiel. Anybody in here, Ezekiel is their favorite book of the Bible. Anybody? Yeah, I didn't think so. I took a seminary class all on the book of Ezekiel. It's a weird book. It's a weird, weird book. And I I love that video and the creative team that put that together did a fantastic job. But man, that is just some weird stuff. You know what I'm saying? There is all kinds of weird stuff that goes on in the book of Ezekiel. And I remember, now I grew up in church, right? So I remember, you know, I was doing Sunday school or life group in the early 80s, right? Where the Sunday school teacher had the, the black felt board, right? With the little characters, the little flannel graph characters that went up. And that's how they did Bible studies back in the day. And you know what? There were no little flannel graph, flannel graph characters for Ezekiel and the Valley of the Dry Bones. That story just doesn't make the cut. And, but you see, this is the thing. If you grew up in church, right, when you're a, when you're a boy, okay, like, you're like, a, like a preteen or even like a second, third, fourth grade boy, you are not interested in whatever you're supposed to be paying attention to when the teacher is putting the flannel graphs on the board. You're in the back snickering with your friends, trying to find the weirdest, most bizarre things you can find in the, battle, in the Bible. And I remember reading the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones and thinking, this is the weirdest thing I've ever read in the Bible. And in my mind, you see, I I didn't picture it right. In my imagination, right, okay, because I don't know if we got any 80s kids in here, but but I was a big He-Man fan, all right? So in my mind, what I saw was an army made of bones. I saw skeletons, right? So this is Jason and the Argonauts. This is what I saw in my imagination when I read the story of the, the dry bones. And if you're like, man, that movie is so far before I was born, I have no idea what you're talking about. Think like the pirates from Pirates of the Caribbean, all right, guys that look like that, or maybe the guys that show up with Aragorn at the end of Lord of the Rings, okay? This is what I saw in my mind. I saw an army of the dead, and I was trying to figure out, what does this have to do with Jesus? (laughs) You see, I had the whole picture wrong, in my imagination, because I just didn't read carefully enough, because this isn't a story about, about zombie skeleton warriors. This is a story about resurrection that is in process. You see, Ezekiel is living in a time in the history of God's people that we call the exile. Now, we've spent the last couple of months walking through the book of Joshua as a church, and we're closing the the chapter, we're closing the page on the chapter of when God's people finally get to go into their own land, and they get to have the fulfillment of all the promises that God has given to them. But if you guys were here last week, you remember there was a covenant, a promise that was made between God and God's people, and he says, if you follow me, I will protect you and this will be your land forever. If you go after other gods, I will remove my hand of protection. 
And spoiler alert, this morning as we're jumping 800 years into the future, the rest of the history of the Old Testament is not good. It's the story of God's people consistently failing to live up to the promises that they made to Joshua. You remember, if you were here last week, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You guys had the cross stitch hanging above grandma's couch. You know what I'm saying? That We had that when I was growing up. As, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as you continue to read the story of the Old Testament, you see God's people during the times of the judges and the times of the kings and the times of the prophets failing over and over again to be faithful to the one true God of the universe. And instead they go after this God over here and that God over there. And finally, 800 years later, God fulfills his promise. He he does exactly what he said he was going to do. He removes his hands of protection from his people. And the empire of Babylon comes in and they destroy Jerusalem and they set it on fire and they take all of the people captive and they drag them as slaves off to Babylon. So in the years when Ezekiel is doing his ministry, he's not ministering in Jerusalem. He's not ministering in Israel. He's ministering to people that are living and working and worshiping in Babylon. And his and his, um, his whole ministry is filled with weird dreams and visions and imagery and symbolism. In fact, what happens is he sees a vision of God seated on his throne, clothed in rainbows of living color. It's, like, it's as if the song was, had that image in mind. And there have been lots of books written on all of the weird and bizarre Parts of this vision, in fact, there was a a movie with Nicolas Cage that came out a few years back that had to do with the living creatures and the wheels and all of that stuff. But let me kind of give you the too long, didn't read version of this vision. Ezekiel's standing on a river in Babylon, not in Jerusalem, and God shows up. Ezekiel's response is, what are you doing here? See, if you look carefully... God's throne has wheels. And the reason that God's throne has wheels is that wherever God's people are, there he is in their midst. You see, God cannot be contained inside a building. God cannot be contained inside some kind of a geographical barrier. God is not going to respect the lines on a map or kingdoms or emperors. Wherever God's people cry out to the Lord, there he is. He says to his people, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I got to thinking about that. I got to think about that, the time that we're living in, and I know you guys are sick of hearing it, but, you know, it's, it's the reality that we live in. We live in this world where everything has been affected by, by coronavirus, by COVID-19. And I thought about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of us gathered for worship here this morning, but there's an awful lot of us that are gathered online. And I, I, you know, I got to thinking about uh, my mom, who just celebrated her 70th birthday, uh, hasn't left her house in four months. Now, she's healthy. She's in great health. She's just doing what she's been instructed to do. You know, she's part of that vulnerable population, and so she has her groceries delivered, and she Skypes into work and Zooms into work. And then my brothers and sister that live in California, they go over to her house, and they visit her from way far away. Happy birthday. I mean, I'm griping and complaining about the fact that I got to wear a mask when I go to Chili's. 
this, this time that we're living in affects all of us in different ways. And, it, and understand, having to wear a mask when you go to Chili's is not the same thing as being occupied by a foreign power and being carried away as slaves into another nation. That's not the same thing. But there are some similarities in that we have a lot of our faith family that are still at home, that are unable to come and be a part of worship here on campus. We've got a lot of folks who are having to do Bible studies via Zoom or, or do a, via a Facebook room. We've got folks in other parts of the country, you know, in Southern California or in most of California right now, it's actually illegal to worship indoors. And so I have some friends that are pastors on the West Coast. What they've been doing is they've been gathering outside, like at the park or at the beach or like on the picnic grounds. And that way they can spread out and they can be safe and they can obey the law, but they can still gather as God's people. So there is a sense in which the times that we're living in now is a little bit like the exile that God's people were living in back then. It's not exactly the same, but there's similarities. And so what I want you to think about as today, as, as we explore this prophecy of the dry bones, I want you to remember that God's people's uh, situation has changed. Their circumstances have changed. Their socioeconomic status has changed. Their job situation, their employment situation has changed. But the one thing that has not changed is God's love for his people and his promise that he will never leave them nor forsake them. And the same is true for us today. But I want you to have that kind of backdrop of exile in your mind as we dig into the valley of the dry bones this morning because I want you to think about the fact that Ezekiel and the men and women of God who were living during his day had, washed, had watched all their hopes and dreams shattered and destroyed. God had promised that they were going to have their own land and their own king and their own kingdom and that they were going to be a blessing to the whole world. And now they got no land, they got no temple, they got no king, they got no kingdom. They're slaves in someone else's land. And it's into this world that Ezekiel is born and begins to do his ministry. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to join me in Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to start reading at verse 1. This is the prophecy of the dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. So picture, if you will, a massive battle where an entire nation's army was just completely wiped out, so totally wiped out that there was nobody left to bury the dead. And this is not something that happened a little while ago. These are not people that are dying. These are not people that need CPR. These are not people that need an emergency room. These guys have been dead for decades, maybe centuries. And Ezekiel's seeing this valley of the dry bones, and God asks him this very interesting question. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, let me tell you something. I would not have been as optimistic as Ezekiel. In fact, I probably would have been a little bit smart in my response. Not the good kind of smart, the bad kind of smart. Because you look at these 
these bones that have been sitting out there in the dry, dry valley. We're not talking like East Texas dry. We're talking like West Texas dry, like 110 degrees every single day dry. And they've been sitting there for centuries. And God asked me, what do you think? Can these bones live? Well, the answer is obviously not. That's a big negative. And I would have been like, no, I would have been like, duh. That would have been me. You know, because, because there's people that are op- optimists and there's people that are pessimists. You know, there's glass half full and there's glass half empty. And then there's Matta, who's like, the glass has been completely shattered, probably by one of my kids, into a million pieces on the floor and there's milk everywhere. That's me. But you see, Ezekiel remembers something about God that I often forget. And that I think some of us brothers and sisters, sometimes we forget. You see, our God has always been in the business of doing the impossible. And so when Ezekiel looks and sees the valley of the dry bones that have been baking in the West Texas sun for centuries, he says, Lord, only you know. In other words, I don't know, God. It's going to take a pretty big miracle, isn't it? When you are faced with an impossible situation, remember that we worship a God who does impossible things. And I answered, Oh Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones. And say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. What does God call Ezekiel to do to the valley of the dry bones? Speak the word of God into the impossible situation. What impossible situation are you dealing with right now? Do you have a loved one who's on hospice that you can't see because of COVID-19? Have you had a job loss or a job uh, furlough, whatever that's supposed to mean? You don't get paid? Are you dealing with a health issue yourself? Is someone, someone you love dealing with a health issue? What impossible situation do you need to speak the word of God, the truth of God's word into this morning? You know, I thought about this. You know, do you guys remember January? It was like 100 years ago. You remember what? You remember January? And as a church, we all started that Bible reading plan together. And some of us probably did a pretty good job for the first several weeks. And we did like, we did uh, Luke and Acts. And then we started on the letters of Paul. And then if you're like me, somewhere between February and COVID, everything went off the rails. And you're like, man, I try and I try and I try and have a good habit and be in God's word. And I just can't do it. It's impossible. Do you ever say that to yourself? Speak God's word into the impossible situation. Preach the word of God to yourself. You know, every night we do this thing where as we're trying to wrestle the children into the bed before we pass out, I try and read God's word to them. And I tell you, there's some nights where I'm like, 
I don't know why I'm doing this. I mean, two of them are over in the corner giggling about something. One of them is reading another book, and the other one is over in a corner playing with toys. And no one is listening. It's like, you know what? All these kid Bible stories, I know them all. I know them backwards and forwards. I don't need to read this. And I say, you know, you ask my wife, I say it out loud, like, not on an unregular basis. Like, what is the point of this? Why am I doing this? No one's paying attention. Speak God's word into those around you. There are times as a parent where it feels like it's impossible because I can't get my kids to listen. Just keep speaking God's word. Keep speaking God's word. Keep Preach the word of God to yourself. Preach the word of God to your loved ones. Preach the word of God to those around you. Preach the word of God to the dry bones. If Ezekiel can speak God's word over bones that have been dead for centuries, I can read Bible stories to my kids when they're not paying attention. I can do that. And I can trust that someday they're going to grow up and they're going to get to a place where they're listening. God's word can do impossible things. So I prophesied as I commanded as I was commanded. And I prophesied, and there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live." So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. See, this is the part that I didn't understand when I was a kid. When I saw this picture in my mind's eye, I saw a dead army. I saw an army of the dead. No, no, no. These, are, these people are not dead. This is resurrection in progress. God's word can do impossible things, and God's spirit can do impossible things. In both the Greek language and the Hebrew language, the word for wind and breath and spirit are all the same word. It's kind of a very connected concept to the biblical authors. The idea is it's that unseen animating life force, the powerful thing that moves in the same way that the wind moves the trees and you can't see the wind, but you can see the trees, that, that invisible spirit moves you and me. As you look at the story of the New Testament, you see over and over and over again, God's people being filled with the spirit. Acts 13 says that the disciples were filled with the Spirit. You look at the, uh, the, the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke, and Mary's filled with the Spirit, and John the Baptist is filled with the Spirit, and Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, and Jesus does everything he does by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that engine that drives us as believers in Christ. Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with with the Spirit. And that, that command to be filled is an ongoing process. Pastor Chris talked about this uh, back in February before COVID happened 100 years ago, and he did a great job of explaining what that means. 
It's that it's not that we're filled with the Spirit one time when we come to know who Jesus is, but it's an ongoing process that we continually to seek out for the Holy Spirit to be the force that drives us and we follow its lead. We want to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that it controls every aspect of our lives. And I, I know if you come from a different background, some of you guys might have a different understanding of what that means or what that looks like. I'll give you sort of the Matt Hogan definition. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means you are going after and you are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. You are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm tired. It's been a long few months. I'm going on vacation next week. It's time. Trust me, it's time. Um, As believers in Christ, sometimes we can get to that place where we're alive, but there's a lack of spirit happening in us. We need to pray for the Lord to come and fill us with his spirit. We need a fresh outpouring of that power, that supernatural power to go into the world and love and lead all people to a new life with Christ, even when it's hard, even when it's weird, even when it's COVID. But God's spirit can do impossible things. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. You see, the word of God can do impossible things and the spirit of God can do impossible things. And so then when God's people who are led by God's word and are filled with God's spirit, we can do impossible things. Brothers and sisters, I have been blown away these last few months as I have witnessed the generosity and the faithfulness of Heights Baptist Church. It has blown me away to see this church's faithfulness in giving, faithfulness in serving, willingness to learn how to do things differently, willingness to sit in a different chair and to get the stuff on your hands on the way in and to put the mask on and to do those things that are required of us to continue to be a church and to love and lead others to new life with Christ. I just, just every single day, I'm just blown away the way people continue to give of themselves in ministry. Folks of all different kinds of generations, some of whom might not really big, big, be big fans of computers in general, figuring out how to do Zoom so they can get together with their life group. Brothers and sisters, I want you to think of it like this. When you walk in that door and you gotta sit in a different spot, that's the sound of dry bones rattling. When you got to get the squirty stuff on your hands, 
when you got to mask up before you talk to, talk to somebody, that's the sound of dry bones rattling. When you have to join a worship service online on Facebook or YouTube because you are immunocompromised or you, you have somebody in your family that's immunocompromised and you're still putting in the time to gather for worship, that is the sound of dry bones rattling. When we're in a situation where we say, hey, all of our plans for vacation Bible school just got canceled because of COVID and so we need people who are going to show up and they're going to pack bags and they're going to make videos and they're going to show how to do crafts and how to do us. Uh, snacks, and we're going to go door to door, and we're going to hang door hangers so that boys and girls and parents can know the good news about who Jesus is. That is the sound of dry bones rattling. When as a church you continue to give faithfully week after week, month after month, whether the doors are open or closed, the church is still open, and that is the sound of dry bones rattling. When God's people are led by God's word and filled by God's spirit, God's people can do impossible things. And I know it's true because I have watched it happen. I've had a front row seat these last few months. It has blown me away to see the faithfulness of the the brothers and sisters of Heights Baptist Church in the way that they continue to love, the way that they continue to serve, the way that they continue to connect, the way that they continue to give. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. God's people can do impossible things. God's word can do impossible things. God's spirit can do impossible things. God's people can do impossible things. But all of this is because Jesus did an impossible thing. We're concluding the prophecy. And God says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. You see, there was a time when spiritually we were all dead inside. Ephesians says that we were dead. Ephesians tells us that we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. In fact, so on the outside, we might have looked like we were alive, but inside, spiritually, we was like one of those skeletons walking around like a zombie, like totally out of it. Because there was nothing inside of us but death. And Jesus Christ entered into human history. And he lived the life that none of us could live. And he died the death that all of us deserved. And when they nailed him to that cross, he paid the price for all of us to be given new life. And then on the third day, he got up and he walked out of his grave, proving that he had conquered the enemies of Satan and sin and death. Colossians 1 says that he is uh, the firstborn from the dead. He's the beginning that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus was the first one to be raised from the dead, and so we follow after him. We were dead in our, trans, in our transgressions and our sins, yet we have been made alive in Christ. When we put our faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us on the cross and in the, our faith in the fact that he rose from the dead and he conquered death, 
we, we go from being part of that mound of dry bones on the ground, and we get new life. And it's that new life. It's, it's Jesus' new life that gives us new life so that we can be a people to give the good news about new life to every other person that we meet. The exile of God's people came to an end. Eventually, they got to go home and be in their homeland again, and they got to build a new temple. That, that temple was the temple that Jesus came to several hundred years later. Our situation will come to an end. Someday, we're not going to have to wear masks in church, and we're not going to have to put the hand sanitizer on our hands coming in. It won't be the same as it was back in January, 100 years ago, but it'll be different than it is now. But in the meantime, be faithful. Let's be a people that are grounded in the word of God, that are filled with the spirit of God. Let's be a people that can do impossible things because Jesus did an impossible thing when he went to the cross for you and me and he got up out of the grave for you and for me so that we can rise from our own, we can rise from our own graves and instead of experiencing spiritual death, we experience life. So this morning I want to extend to you an invitation. If this is all new to you and you're still stuck on the Skeletor reference and you don't know what that's all about and you don't and the, the video was weird and you don't know who this Jesus is and you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. I would love to talk to you more about it. Pastor Jonathan is here. We're going to have some folks that are here up front during our invitation time. We'd love uh, to answer your questions. We'd love to tell you more about what it means uh, to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to have new life in Christ. And brothers and sisters, for those of us that are, that are faithful, for those of us that are part of the family of Christ, I would invite you this morning to just pray for a new, ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to be the force that animates you and gives you the strength to keep on going in this world that we're living now to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ.